0: welcome everybody to communitas and for those of you watching online participating at home welcome we're glad you joined us we do worship with communion every sunday here at communitas Um, if you are at home you can take this time to gather your communion elements if you haven't already we also worship with our giving We will not be passing the baskets at this time, but we have three ways that you can give online or give. One of them is online at communitaschurch.com. You can also mail in a check to our address, which is 824 Laurel Street, Brainerd, Minnesota, 56401. And then we also do have baskets on um, here in the sanctuary, so if you're here... Um, They're near the communion elements, so you can put your offering in during communion or after the service. We also want to help anyone who wants to get connected, get connected with the church. Um, Especially if you are interested in membership or if you have any questions whatsoever about becoming a member here at Communitas or what that means or what that involves, please see any one of the elders or you can um, email Pastor Mike at mike, M-I-K-E dot gary, G-A-R-R-Y at communitaschurch.com. We'd also love to get you plugged in with a community group, volunteering. There are lots of opportunities for volunteering. Um, Or if you just wanna be on the email list and get our emails because you're not getting those, Um, let any one of the elders or Pastor Mike know. Now I'll pray, and then we'll continue with our service. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the sunshiny morning, the brisk weather that reminds us that um, winter is coming. God, we just invite you here in this church building and in our homes and in our hearts, and we ask that you would open our eyes and ears to hear and um, see and learn what you want us to learn this morning. In your name we pray.
1: Amen. Well, if you would all stand, if you're able. Um, This morning we're going to sing a little song I put together um, a while back when we were um, just putting on church services, the three of us from the back nursery back there. Um, And by the way, what a pleasure it is to be here with you all, right? It's just such a gift, and every Sunday we can do this is great. This is the communion of the saints, um, and it is a gift. So um, this song we're going to sing is based on uh, the peace prayer, which is attributed to um, uh, saint Francis who lived a long time ago so um, I really don't have anything more profound to say about it let's just sing it um and there's uh, john 737 that we can open with jesus says if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me just as the scripture says let's pray Lord, we pause to acknowledge your presence here with us this morning, and we acknowledge our our deep thirst for you, for your spirit, um, and help us to just be open to you this morning, open our hearts and our minds, help us to be open to you and to each other. You are a good God. We thank you for loving us. Thank you that we can gather here today in your name. Amen. Can I be seated?
2: Good morning. morning. Thank you Kelly and Chad and for uh, Sean and Matt and Nick and Ezra and Sarah helping out in the back. Good Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church and Communitas is a church that exists to love God and to love people and to build disciples that walk in grace that grow in faith. And we do this by gathering in groups, exploring the way that the Lord has gifted us and then using those gifts to generously serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people as we gather together in this rhythm of gathering together, growing together that we would go together. And so one of the ways that we're going to grow together over uh, the next say 60 days or so we say that you know growing they say that uh it used to be i think it was in order to get a, a, a habit down you need to do it for like three weeks in a row and then i think because we're easily distracted critters that uh they kind of moved that out to like four weeks now I think it's six. So just to be safe, we're just going to say from now until the end of the year, uh, one of the ways that we want to grow as a body, and in, just kind of in light of, of what's happening, I for some people, 2020 hasn't necessarily been like the best, the smoothest, the most predictable or stable. Um, and then in kind of what's coming up, we have some opportunities to grow and explore how the Lord has created us and what he's called us as a church, both as individuals, both the 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 community here uh, that gathers at 824 Laurel Street, and then just the church broadly. And so what does that look like to grow? What's one of the best ways that we can grow as as believers? And that's through prayer. And so from uh, this Sunday until the end of the year, we're just going to spend time in prayer. And so what is that going to look like? We're going to leave it up to you. We're gonna do it together because I know for some people they're going, man. Like uh, I I pray for like you know three seconds before I eat, and that's that's about all that I can handle. Awesome. We're gonna say try four, and some of you're going, man. I I like I'd I'd like to I'd like to try something different. I just you know whenever I try it never quite sticks. Well, here's your opportunity, and so we're gonna come up with some things over the next few weeks and some various prompts. But so for this this upcoming week. Just spend time in prayer for the city, for the county, for the state, for the nation, for the world, however you, you feel led, and for whatever duration. This isn't, uh, this isn't a checklist. This isn't something that uh, we're going to keep, keep score on or keep tally of. And, and throughout the next couple of weeks we'll weeks, we'll be giving some prompts because we see that, man, I mean, hey, the election's coming up, right? Like, let's just, we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but for some people like there's some tension around that so let's let's be people of prayer let's show we're, right we're, we're to be a kingdom of priests that show that we have wisdom and, and counsel and understanding in these matters and so i think one of the best ways we can do that is through prayer also we have this great uh silent retreat coming up that happens uh, throughout the upper Midwest called hunting season. Some of you have already been participating in that. You're going to spend a considerable amount of time out in the woods. And what a great time to be out and to appreciate what the Lord has created. Uh, for some of you, you're like, yeah, there are like, yeah, some people in my house are going to be gone. It's going to be quieter around the house. You can enjoy that. Let's take some time in prayer. And then we're moving into Thanksgiving and into, uh, into the Advent season as we prepare for Christmas and, and there's going to be some different family dynamics as we understand and kind of navigate through, this, uh, through the pandemic and how people are going to relate to one another up until the end of the year. Usually these are times where lots of gatherings and now this year it's going to be a little bit different. Let's be praying about that to be praying about how we can continue to be that kingdom of priests that we've been reading about for the last 10 months. That we can continue to be people that walk in wisdom and understanding and counsel the way that we've been reading about and seeing and that that is accessible for those who are walking with Christ. So how are we going to do that? We're just going to spend time in prayer. So my challenge for you this week, my encouragement for you this week is spend time praying for the city, the state, for the county, for the country, for the world. However you so feel led. For whatever duration, if it's the first thing you do, the last thing you do, something you do in the middle of the day, you write it, you say it, you get on the phone with someone, that's great. We're going to come up with a few things to help continue to guide us, so just uh, be, be watching for, for the email, uh, checking on Facebook, and, um, and then on Instagram as well. All right, so... Back to the service, as, as Amanda said, uh, one of the ways that we that we worship on Sunday mornings is through communion. We celebrate here what 's called open communion, which means that you don 't need to be a member of communitas church to celebrate communion with us. we would just ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus and so if that is you, we have elements set out to the left and to the right and then also in the back and um and that's for you, uh, parents, we're going to leave that up to you as to discern whether or not your kids, uh, whether or not this is a, an appropriate way for them to express their worship um, and participate in this meal for us. And what we do here at Communitas is, is we take a little bit of time to reflect on, on who is God the Father and what has he done. Who is God the Son and how did Jesus live his life and then how does that inform the way that we live our lives both individually and then as the church? And who is God the Holy Spirit, and what is God the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through us? Because we believe that, that we're, we're actually called to do something, right? Like we're not just here to, to hang out, we're actually called to, to do something, to grow and to, to bring this gospel to the world around us. And so we're going to ask the Lord, would, would convict us of our sin, confirm in us the things that we're doing that are good, that we would continue to do those things, all that we would better convey the gospel to the world around us. And so, as we sit and as we listen, as we ponder these things, we pray that the Lord would give us specific names and faces and times and places where He's placed us to bring this message of hope to the world around us. And if you're in here and you're just kind of kicking around the tires of the faith and you're not really sure about this Jesus thing, you're not really sure about this church thing, and you're just like, hey, yeah, you know, like I'm just, I'm here. Thanks for being here. I'm glad that you're here. And I encourage you to take time as well to reflect on who is God the Father and what has He done. Who is God the Son, and how did Jesus live his life, and how does that inform the way that we're to live our lives? And who is God the Holy Spirit, and what is the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through us, that he'd confirm in us what we're doing that is good, convict us of the sin that we're doing, which we, we, we should stop, all that we'd better convey this gospel message to the world around us. And so Kelly's going to play, and uh, we'll take some time in reflection. And then as you're ready, grab the elements, like I said, either out to the left or to your right or in the back, whatever's closest. And then bring them back to your seats. I'll read some words from Scripture, and then we'll all partake in the meal together. Uh, So continue to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us here today. We thank you for your creation, for the sunshine um, and for the rain, for the cold and for the warmth. And Jesus, we thank you for the way that you've lived your life We thank You for Your death and for Your resurrection. Your invitation to come and to be with You. And so Holy Spirit, we pray that You'd continue to work in us that we would live more and more like Jesus. That we would be fully alive in Him. So continue to guide us. Convict us of our sin. Both what we have done and what we have not done. Confirm in us what we're doing that is that is good, that is beneficial to your kingdom, that is helping us to become more like you. And give us specific names and faces of people and opportunities where we can better convey the gospel message in your world. It's the last time that Jesus and his friends were together, they're sharing the meal of Passover, right? We've been talking about Passover for some time, and this is this meal that celebrates the fact that the, the nation of Israel who had been in captivity in Egypt had been brought by the Lord out of captivity, and they're on their way to the promised land. We're going to read about that today. And then so for the next uh, you know, hundreds of years, the nation continue to celebrate this. And and Jesus is gathering together with his friends to celebrate this meal. And instead of just leaving it closed to to one group of people, they're going to totally blow the lid off this thing. And he's going to say, we're going to bring this to all of the world so that everybody can share in this meal, that everybody can share in what we've been doing, and everybody can share in the coming kingdom of God. And so when we participate in this, when, we, when, we, when we're doing this meal, when we, when we receive uh, the bread and the wine, we are participating in what God is doing. And this informs the way uh, that we enter into here and the way that we go out. It informs the way that we gather, gather and also the way that we scatter. And so as Jesus is sitting there, they're having the meal. He takes the bread and after blessing it, he breaks it and gives them and says, take and eat, this is my body. And knowing that that body would break and that his blood would be poured out, he took the cup and we had given thanks. He gave it to them and said, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this covenant, for your forgiveness, for your grace, for your mercy. We pray that we would continue to walk in this, that it would inform the way that we live our lives, that our lives would be centered on you and on your grace. And we go out knowing that we cannot earn it that you've given it to us and we'd accept your invitation to abide and to live in you amen okay so today deuteronomy thirty one through thirty four everybody's favorite passage right uh yeah a little bit different one um and and we did it right so we've we've we started if if anybody can remember all the way back to January, uh, January 2020 existed, um, and, and, we, and we, so we looked at, at Genesis, and we moved through Exodus, and Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and we, we went through the whole Torah. We did it. We did it in a year, so we're going we're to finish that today, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to look at that. So if you have a paper Bible and you want to start flipping there, uh, Deuteronomy is the, the fifth book in the Bible moving left to right. If you get into uh, Joshua and Judges, come back a little bit to the left, um, and we're going to be right at the very end of Deuteronomy, 31 through 34. If you have a, a mobile device and you want to take that out to follow along, feel free to do that, um, and then if neither of those are preferable options, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. And then over the next couple of weeks as we get prepared for Advent, oh, excuse me, Still so have a little bit of residual communion going on here. Um, so as we get prepared for Advent, there's a, there's a couple weeks before we're there. And so what we're going to do, if you can remember, we did, uh, some of you were around when we did Casket Empty, right? When we talked about the overarching nature of of the story of Scripture. And we saw how it's one continuous thread from Genesis to Revelation. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of a review on that. So now that we've done kind of the the creation, Abraham, Sinai portion over the next three weeks we're doing a quick overview moving through the period of kings uh, exile and temple and moving into that period of expectations which is the the advent right so like there's this great anticipation coming before the birth of christ coming before christmas and so we're going to spend some time in that and then we'll move into advent and that will bring us uh, through christmas and then into the new year where we'll be looking at the gospel of john so If you're a fan of the Gospel of John or you'd like to participate in helping us kind of plot that out, uh, let me know because we're always looking for uh, the more people that we can have looking at the Scriptures together better helps those who are teaching uh, to understand how the passage is moving and informing um, our lives. Ourselves. So uh, without further ado, Mr. Lonnie Smith is going to come up and read Deuteronomy 31. Feel free to follow along in uh, verses 1 through 13 and verse 23, and then also uh, chapter 32, verse 45 through 52, and then we will be getting into Deuteronomy 31 through 34. So, Mr. Lonnie Smith.
3: And this is the Word of God. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all of the Israels of, <laughs> elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years, at the set time of the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all of Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn the, to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I have sworn to give them. I will be with you. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you. But your very life and by this word you shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess that very day the Lord spoke to Moses go up this mountain to the Abarim Mount Nebo which is in the land of Moab opposite Jericho and view the land of Canaan which I'm giving to the people of Israel for a possession and die on the mountain which you go up, and be gathered to your people. As Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel, at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I'm giving to the people of Israel.
2: Amen. Thanks, Lonnie. Thank you, Lord, for your word that we're able to gather together and to read it. It's such a gift. Lord, we pray that these words would continue to inform who we are as people, who we are as a church. Help us to, to grow in our understanding of who you are and what you've done for us. Help us to know more and more about you, that we'd be able to walk in understanding, to be people of wise counsel, that we'd counsel from your wisdom and from your ways. Amen. Okay, kids, at this point, you can head on out toward this door, and Tom and uh, Julie have a great lesson planned for you over there. So Lord, we thank you for, for these kids. It's an honor to, to have them here with us. And so Lord, we pray for, for Tom and Julie that uh, their words would, would be beneficial to these kids, that they'd grow in likeness of you. And we pray for us as adults that we'd continue to learn what it is to follow you, that we would have faith like these children. And that we would grow in our understanding of who you are and how we're to live. Amen. Okay, side note to uh, your communion cups, feel free to just, um, uh, you can pitch them in the blue bins on the way out the door and we will uh, dispose of them for you. So, at any rate, uh, I had a, a, twice in my life have I, I've worked for companies where we've had changes in leadership while I was there. Um, and and some of them, were one was kind of planned, and then one was that kind of palpable tension moment where you like you you leave work on Friday and you're like, man, I just feel really bad for my boss because it doesn't seem like things are going to go well. And then Monday you come back in and like they're kind of trucking around with their their tail tucked between their legs, and then the person that was their number two is now in charge, and then like their boss is in, and, and it was kind of a mess, right? And you're just in that, and you're just like, I just I have empathy, so I kind of feel bad for people in those. Those circumstances, um, and so so changes in leadership is it's always difficult, right? I mean, even and we think about even here, right? I mean, so if you can, if some of you were around when uh, when Bob Evans was the pastor, and then all of a sudden this this you know young guy that just moved to town showed up, and and then all of a sudden like he was becoming the pastor, and so there was this transition period, right, where we were learning, man, what 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 all's going on, what's happening, and and, and there's. There's some mystery there where you're going. How is this going to go down? Because like I don't know about this dude. Um, doesn't wear shoes and he preaches. <laughs> and and so there's 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 always question. There, and and the, whenever there's transfer of leadership, there's always an element of worry, right? Or there can be. And and so in in Deuteronomy 31, that's what's going on. Okay. So does anyone remember last week we talked about the the suzerain vassal treaty structure? Remember remember our friends Sue and Val. Um, <laughs> So just to review, and, and we're not going to go, uh, you know, too nerdy on that today. If you have questions, you can Google it or uh, just listen uh, last week to the episode. But essentially, there's there's this treaty structure, right? And and it would have been known by the people of ancient Israel, and, and and it would have helped. And so the Lord is using this to help them to understand His ways, His kingdom, and it's also a way that they can communicate to the world around them the ways of God, right? Because that's what we're called to do as a kingdom of priests. We're, help, we're to help people navigate their atonement, to help those inside the camp understand more about who the Lord is, to exemplify that to the people around the world, right? And so, so they're worried. Because in the suzerain vassal treaty structure, whenever there was a change in leadership, so if Moses is the head and Moses is about to die... Now all of a sudden, oh gosh, who's who's going to be in charge? Is the Lord still going to remain faithful to us? Because the nation of Israel knows, right, that they have not been faithful throughout this time, and so they're going. Okay, so uh, now that Moses is gone, is is the Lord going to rain down the punishment on us? Like, is is it going to go poorly for us now? Like, we remember all those promises, but we also know that when there's that transfer of power, like maybe things are going to come unravelled, and so they worry. And they're a little bit nervous, and they're a little bit scared, because it, it was easy to to follow Moses, right? Because Moses was was a guy, and they they, they could see him. But they're going, okay, but now we got to we got to trust, we got to continue to trust the Lord to bring us into this place, and we're we're nervous, we're scared, and so to that. Moses gets up and he says, you know, he says, "Hey, I'm I'm no longer able to come in and come out. He's like, I'm, I'm getting old. These dogs are tired. It's time to sit down. Like I'm, I'm hatched." And uh, and he says, "The Lord your God Himself will go over before you." And so he's assuring the people that the Lord will lead you, the Lord who has invited us into the covenant, who who brought us out of Egypt. He's going to see us through into this this new place. He says, I'm going to go over as your head. And, and the Lord, he says, the Lord is going to do it. He says, I'm going to give him over to you according to the commandment. He says, be strong and courageous. And so he summons Joshua and he says, be strong and courageous. And that was, that was in line with, with this treaty structure. And so the people are, are looking on and they're going, okay, so I, we're maybe not going to die. This is good. Okay, and so they're, they're continuing to go into the promised land. All the promises they've been assured of for the last 40 years are coming to fruition, right? And I mean, have you ever been in those situations where things are going so well and you're just waiting for the rug to get pulled out from underneath you? Okay, so these people are going into the promised land and the rug is not taken out from underneath them. And they're understanding the goodness and the graciousness and the, the character of God. And they're understanding that the Lord isn't just setting them up for failure, but he's actually setting them up for life to the full. He says, I'm going to go over and I'm going to be with you and I'm not going to leave you. You will not be dismayed. Do not fear. And then in verse 9, it says, Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried it to the Ark of the Covenant, and the Lord. Right in line with, I mean, if so if you were if, if you an ancient Canaan and you were looking on and you were watching this happening, without having any knowledge Of who the Lord was or who these people were that were about to come into this land you would look on and you would see this and you would know that a covenant was happening because at the end of these covenants they would write everything down and then they would give it to the priest and the priest would bring it into the temple and that's where it would be stored right so they're, they're putting it into the ark which at the time was just this box there wasn't a temple yet the Lord's like hey I'm cool I'm gonna have somebody build me a house later don't worry about that we'll get to that in three weeks and and so if you're looking on, you're going, okay, this is a sacred thing. This is a, this is a very special thing that's happening. And so the Lord is putting it in into the covenant. He said, this is going to happen. I assure you, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. And then Moses says, at the end of every seven years, at the set time of the year of the release of the Feast of Booze, you're going to read it. Okay, so they're already reading it when? We, we, we talked about this. They're going to read it weekly on the Sabbath. They're going to read it a couple times a year at these various feasts. And then he says, but hey, especially every seven years, I want you to get together. I want you to read this. Why? Because it's important for help. Because you know, we, when we looked at, at the book of Leviticus, why was it important to read the law? Because this kingdom of priests were to help people navigate their atonement. As a kingdom of priests, we're to help people to understand the nature and the character of God. As kingdom of priests, we're to help people to understand that they're forgiven. That they've been accepted by the Lord. That their significance is found in Christ. And that they're sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's our job as, as believers. And so, and so they're, they're, this is all happening. They're looking on and he says, okay, I want you to hear. I want you to learn. And I want you to fear the Lord. So, I want you to, to know what's happening. I want you to read this. I want this to, I want this to be internalized, and then I want you to walk that out. I want your life to be lived in such a way that, that it's informed by the law. And then so, and Joshua is commissioned to lead Israel. And so we see that, that the Lord is already approving of, of this fast. the Lord is approving of this change in leadership. Why? Because he's setting up an everlasting kingdom. He's going, yeah, it doesn't, it's, whether it from leader to leader to leader, he says, it doesn't matter. He says, My kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It, it, it's success is not predicated and it's not contingent on, it's not made possible by this person being in charge versus this person being in charge versus this person being in charge. He says, my kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and it's made secure because I laid it from the foundation of the world. So Nothing is gonna topple my kingdom. This is an everlasting kingdom. And then, and then what I love about this is so right, so ancient or eastern covenant, you break the covenant, you you suffer the wrath of that covenant, right? And and so what we learned about last week is that that the Lord is is already, he knows that they're gonna break the covenant. Okay, he knows that and he sets up ways within that for for forgiveness to be given. And then in, in chapter 32, he gives Moses a song. And why does he give him a song? Because songs are what? Are they, are they easier to remember or not? Like how many of us, we could, we, we could read Deuteronomy 32 you know, a bunch of times, not remember it. You put it to a jingle, and then you can't get it out of your head. Anybody like, you wake up and you're like, I can't get the song out of my head, right? So the Lord knows this. He knows that this is how our brains work. Why? He made them. And so he's like, hey, I'm going to give you this song so that you would remember that I knew that you were going to blow this up. I knew that you were going to make this a disaster. I knew that you were going to go against me. I knew that you were going to be unfaithful. And yet I still made a covenant with you. Like, how many of us knowing that, you know, if you knew that that a business deal was going to go awry, that would you invest in that? No, we'd run away from that. Like if you knew that somebody like you went into, into any kind of relationship where you knew it was going to go go sour, like w- would you at least be a little bit guarded? And the Lord says, No, no, like I know that it's not contingent on your abilities, but on mine. He says, You are unfaithful, I will be faithful. And I'm going to enter into this covenant to show the world my faithfulness. The fact that I'm going to enter into this covenant with these people who are so unfaithful. And then Moses will remind us to say, it's no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. And then, he, and then Moses gives this final blessing Goes through each of the individual tribes, and then he goes up onto the mountain uh, to die, and, and and they don't even know where he's buried. Right? It's just he and the Lord go up there, and 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 the Lord sees to sees to his his final breath. And so, what do what do we see with this? Yeah, so, I mean, in, in some ways, like I just love I love Moses, right? I mean, it's just like I just put, put ourselves in in his spot, right? So, the first forty years of your life. You spent your time trying to prove and learn to be somebody, right? So he's raised in, in, in Pharaoh's court. He's trying to learn how to be somebody. And he's, he's out of the court and he's, he's traveling around. He's trying to establish himself, he's trying to be somebody. And the Lord calls him out and he says, Hey, I'm going to actually teach you how to be nobody. And then he spends the last 40 years learning and then demonstrating to the rest of the kingdom of Israel what the Lord can do with somebody who learns to be nobody. Right? He leads six million people through the wilderness all the way to the promised land. Takes them out of slavery from the, the, the world's superpower and brings them into the kingdom of God. Rescues them from the clutches of the kingdom of empire and ushers them into and helps them to demonstrate the kingdom of Shalom. If it's me, right? Like, are you a little bit, just like a little bit bummed out that you can't go into the promised land? Like, you're just like, I just... I've been hearing about the milk and honey. I've been hearing about like, all of a sudden, you know, I've been, I've been eating manna and, uh, you know, I mean, and like he ate well in Egypt, right? Like you'd think he's like, oh, I just just one more time. I just want like one good meal. Like I've been eating camp food for the last 40 years. Like I'd really just like to have one normal supper if that would be okay. Like, are you a little bit jaded? Maybe, like I, I think if I'm honest, I would be. But Moses isn't. Right? He takes that, the marching orders from the Lord. And he just walks up on the mountain, and, and where he has the opportunity to to tell the people like, "Hey, because of your rebellion and how I reacted to your rebellion, like I don't get to go in." But he What does he do? He blesses them. I mean, he's just, he's just had this hard life of leading these these people who have been deliberately disobedient, but he receives these marching orders. He gives this, this last plea to the people to follow closely the ways of the Lord. And then he gives them this blessing. And then he, and then he just walks up onto the Lord to look out over the promised land and to die. Why? Because he's beloved. Because you know, we, we, we talk about how the, the way of, of Israel is, is the way of us. When we, when we read the story of Israel, that's, that's the story of us as people and, and, and of us as individuals. And so when we look at Moses, we see the, the, kind of the progression of our life, right? We, we spend some time before Christ trying to establish who we are, trying to be somebody, and then we come to a point of humility. We understand that, that we can't earn it, and we accept the love of God. We come to this point where we realize that, that I, I, I can't be in control, and I continue to try to be in control. is only going to further perpetuate and, and make things come unraveled even further, right? And we try to use the methods of the world around us. And we're going to see this over the next couple of weeks. Like later, Israel is going to be like, hey, we want a king. And, and so they, they use the world's methods to, to establish a king. Well, what happens? Well, everything comes unraveled. Because they're using methods of empire. They're using methods of control. They're using methods uh, of man versus the kingdom of shalom, the kingdom of God, using the Lord's wisdom. And so, so Moses moves into this point where all of a sudden he, he realizes, hey, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like how many of us, like we want to we accomplish, right? I mean, in some ways, if you, if you look at, at Moses as like the business story, like he almost made it, right? Like he was just about to, like the company was just about to go public. It was just about to be traded. And, and then he, he, he stops just short of the finish line, right? Like you've, you've built it. You've made this cool thing. You're just about to sell off to, to be liquid. And he, he doesn't quite make it. Right? You're leading and, and you just don't quite get there. Like how many of us would just be a little, like like we feel that tension, right? And the, and the way of the world would say, hey, yeah, you didn't quite do it. You were, you were good. But you weren't quite the best. But Moses rests secure. Why? Because he knows that he's loved by the Lord. He's met with the Lord face to face. And so it completely kills the ego and he knows that the best life is the beloved life. He knows that the best way to live life is to walk in the commandments of the Lord. He goes, it doesn't matter if I make it all the way to the promised land. Yeah, would I love to see it? Absolutely, because, man, I milk and honey. And, and I mean, I've, we finally have olives and grapes again, like instead of this desert food. He says, but no, Lord, I, I know that, that what's truly satisfying, what's ultimately going to make a difference, what's ultimately going to, to bring satisfaction in my soul, what's going to alleviate this tension that I feel, this ache in my heart, is the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And so we see this invitation, right? That, that, that amidst our being unfaithful, right? And, and Moses, was he faithful the whole time? No, the dude blew it big time. But the Lord knew that. The Lord knew that before he called Moses to call the people. And he says, through you and your inability and through your unfaithfulness, my faithfulness will be shown all the more. And so so often we get caught up in this, right? We think, well, i got, I got to do it on my own. i got to figure this out on, on, by myself so that you know the Lord can be shown great. I got you know, and, and we make it about ourselves, and the Lord says, no, hey, no, no, no. I've accepted you. You're enough. I've, I've made you in my image. I just want the way of your being to match the truth of your being. I just want you to be who I've made you to be, to accept and to abide in my love, and to act out of that. You don't need to compensate. You don't need to compete. You no longer, you don't have to earn it. There's nothing that you can do that'll make me love you more. There's nothing that you can do that'll make me love you less. Right? And so we see this later in Jesus because while we were unfaithful and the Lord was still faithful, knowing that we could not earn it, the Lord sent His Son to show us how to live, to die for us, to become sin, and and rise again. And so we read in, in, in John, Jesus is, is praying to the Father. And he says, essentially, He says, Lord, I, I want them to be with me as I am with you, and we are as one. And so he's, he's inviting us into that. Paul would say in Romans 5, He says, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us that we would, would do what? Have to, have to earn it? Have to work really hard so that, that we can maybe make it? suffer through a bunch of things to better get the Lord's approval? Earn our security? No, he says while we were still enemies, he sent his son to die for us. That we would know the Lord face to face. That we would be able to walk in his commands. To love God. To love people. To follow. To help elders navigate their atonement. To establish the kingdom of God. To push back against the kingdom of empire. To bring the kingdom of the Lord. And so what do, what do we see in the death of Moses? What do we see in the closing chapters of Deuteronomy? What do we see throughout the midst of the Torah? As we see that the best life is the beloved life. We see this invitation from God to follow in his ways. To, in, to come into and return back to communion with him. That we would walk in grace that we would show mercy to the world around us. And Why is it important that we understand this? Why do we understand that the best life is the beloved life? Because it helps us to see that the only kingdom which is secure is the kingdom of God. We wrestle, as, as the folks did, with you know, this, this change in, in, in leadership. We wonder, like, how are these things going to be sustained? How are they going to be prolonged? When our focus is on the kingdom and the bringing of the kingdom... We need not worry about security. When we when we understand that the best life is the beloved life, we also move from earning to abiding, from earning to accepting. So often we want to to establish and to to control and manipulate our way in, right? Like that's I mean, part of the reason that the people are nervous about following the Lord in is they're like, man, like, like we don't can't like grasp that literally, right? Like Moses. You know, they can always just like grab a hold of Moses and toss him in the river if they don't like what he's doing. Kind of tough to grab onto a cloud that that guides you by day and a fire of you know, pillory fire that, that guides you by night, right? Why do they build a golden calf instead of a bull, like every other country around them? Calves are easier to manage. And so our idols are always. And this is what our idols expose, that they expose the way that we're trying to control. We're trying to, we're trying to manipulate. We want to make it easier on ourselves. And the Lord is saying, hey, that's not ultimately going to work for you. That's not ultimately going to satisfy. So he's begging us and coming and saying, hey, I want you to understand what you're to do to be strong, to be courageous, to hear, to learn, and to fear the Lord. And so if we don't do this, we'll continue in the false self. We'll continue to try to control, and and at best, we'll just try to do good deeds. But at worst, we'll become controlling and manipulative. We won't exemplify what it looks like to follow Jesus, and we'll make a mockery of the kingdom. And we'll do this by using methods of the world, continuing to, to inflict the fear of man versus the peace of God. And so if the best life is the beloved life, if we want to exemplify and, and kind of follow this pattern of, of moving beyond trying to be somebody but to accept the fact that and, and to learn that when, when we become nobody that we can see what the Lord does through somebody who becomes a nobody, what should we do? You're already doing it. You're already doing it. If if you are listening to my voice, if you can, if you are here, whether you are in the building or online, or you're listening on a podcast, if you are, if you can hear these words, you're doing it. You're, you No matter where you're at, if you if, even if you're just here and you're just kind of going like, ah, like maybe this Jesus thing makes sense. You've you've taken a step toward this, right? If you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and you're continuing to try to lay down and to come and die, as Christ would say, you're doing it. You're already doing it. If you are participating in the kingdom of God, if you are trying to walk more and more like Jesus, if you are trying to hear, to learn, and to fear the Lord, you're doing it. Keep going. Keep doing it. Keep hearing. Keep learning. Keep fearing the Lord. But don't do it alone. Like one of the things that, that we often miss, and it was kind of implied culturally, but when we, when we read throughout the stories of Scripture and the, and the Scriptures are being read, like who's, who's there? Everybody's there. Right? When he says, like, hey, every seven years I want you to read the law to the, the, the nation of Israel. I want you to read the law to six million people so that we're all on the same page so that we can all go collectively together and, and, and extend and exude and exhibit the kingdom of God. And, and so often we, we try to isolate ourselves. And the Lord said, I'm inviting you back together. We're not doing this in isolation. We're doing this in communion. How we do this here with Communitas, you can participate in groups. We always talk about this, right? So we, we walk in grace, we do this by, by gathering in groups and exploring the way that we've been gifted and serving in and around the community. And so, I mean, so many of you, right, what are you doing? You've gathered in a group. There's a group of people here, there's a group of people online. You're doing it. Keep doing it. Consider joining, if you, if you haven't, consider joining one of the Communitas groups that meet throughout the month. You can continue to do this on a smaller scale. You can continue to do this by, by looking and, and hearing and learning about the Lord in community. Maybe it's looking at, at joining us for prayer either on Wednesday morning or uh, you know just saying, okay, from now until the end of the year, I'm just going to try to up the prayer game a little bit more. I'm going to accept this invitation from the Holy Spirit to spend time. Because right, we've been called a kingdom of priests if you are following the Lord, you, are, you have been called to be a kingdom of priests to help people to understand the nature and the character of God and the forgiveness that He is extending to them and the consequences that happen when we don't. Right? He's inviting us to life. And as we read last week, choose life. Help people to choose life. So a few, a few things to consider and, and uh, if you're gathering in our groups uh, throughout the throughout the weeks, um, a few questions that we'll be considering there, and I believe we may have a slide for this. Um, do you treat the Lord as holy? Do you treat the I mean it seems like a, an interesting question right? I mean, it's like well of course, but but so often how many of us just treat the Lord as 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 a hoop to jump through to get something that we want? Right. What does it look like to treat the Lord as holy? And we see that that this teaching that's most important, right? So I mean, it's, the, the Lord is trying to urge the people, to say, hey, look, it's not about Moses, but it's what I've been teaching you over the last 40 years that's paramount. Moses is, is, is going to go away. He's not going to be with you in the promises, but I'm going to be, and my law will be there. And that law to love God and to love people. And so how is that reflected in your life? And then what are the ways that you learn from the Lord? And what has the Lord been teaching you lately? And we see the Lord is setting up a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that will outlast the people that are entering into the promised land. And Moses gives them this charge. He says, yeah, teach it uh, to, your, to your children, to your grandchildren. He says, you know, children and grandchildren, ask your, your parents and your grandparents about this. You know, tell the story, participate in something that outlasts you. And what are you participating that will outlast you? And when we think about the stories that you want your children and your grandchildren to tell you, or that they want to be told about you, are you living your life now that those, those would be good stories of faithfulness to the Lord? And we see Moses' life in three stages. First, learning to be somebody. Second, learning to be nobody. And then finally, learning what God can, uh, what God can do with someone who has learned to be nobody. I got those from uh, a guy named John Golden Gay. He breaks it down that way. Found it pretty helpful. How do those phases resonate with you? Do you find yourself in one of those three descriptions? Maybe you bounce back and forth. I know that there's man. There's some days when I'm I'm all three. It seems like <laughs> right. It's amazing how the Lord takes my ego and then it's like actually, dude, yeah. Like you think you're somebody, you're in fact nobody, and I'm going to use that uh, for my glory. So. How do you you exhibit those? And so when we hear God's voice, we remember, we remind, and we rejoice. Let's remember that the best life is the beloved life. As you go out this week, if you're going to remember one thing, just remember the best life is the beloved life, and the Lord invites us into that. Let's remind others that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were still far off, the Lord died for us. The Lord reached out to us. And let's rejoice that he walks with us. And rejoices when we walk with him. As you go out this week, may you not be informed or motivated by what you are to accomplish, but what Christ has already accomplished. May you live out of that sense of accomplishment. He bids us to come and to die and to find that we would truly live. May your life be found not in the temporal, not in not in control, not in earning, but in what Christ has accomplished and what he's doing in and through you. Have a great rest of your week. Look forward to hearing how you are gathering in groups, what the Lord is doing in your lives through prayer. We'll see you next weekend. Go in peace.